Hello and welcome to the podcast Sport and Life. Thank you for clicking on the button. Do appreciate it. Ed Draper here, sports broadcaster in the UK. And it's a big day my business because the Premier League football has returned. Aston Villa against Sheffield United tonight, followed by Manchester City against Arsenal, albeit without crowds in attendance. There is the artificial crowd noise, which I know is getting some interesting play. I'm recording this at seven o'clock with the Sheffield United Villa game taking place and my brothers are meshing through uh, with comments about that and different things. But it's good to have that back. On the subject of that, this podcast is going to be with a guy called Paul Godfrey, who is the club secretary at Cheltenham Town, fourth tier division football club in England. He's also a board member there. So they are in the playoffs to get promotion potentially tomorrow, the first leg away of the semi-final against Northampton, return leg Monday, and then maybe a final to come at Wembley. Uh, But it's been a little bit more complicated than that because of the costs of testing, the logistics of it, the uncertainty over the past few months of lockdown. So it's going to be interesting to get Paul's thoughts on that ahead of the game tomorrow, wherever you're listening to this. I'm sure give you some insight to the complications as we go ahead as well as we relent from lockdown. How do we do that? And uh, what are the ramifications for clubs? Because you kind of need ticket revenue at that level of football without any real significant income coming from uh, broadcasts. They do get money from broadcasters like my employer, Sky. But uh, beyond that, they're so reliant on people through the gates, the beer money spent, the money for food, chips, pies, whatever else. Um, big thank you to Bang Olufsen of Cheltenham as well and Serene AV, local business here in the west of England, specialists in some of the finest home entertainment brands, providing solutions based around high quality customer service and installations. Um, so thank you to Bang Olufsen of Cheltenham. Uh, we'll be obviously familiar, Jason, with the local club, Cheltenham Town as well, and there's a few people down there, so big connection there. And to Cytoplan as well, thank you for their association with the podcast, food supplement company, one that we've been using as a family, the Drapers, for 20 years plus, food-based supplements. My dad has consulted on those supplements, who you can hear on the uh, previous podcast, nutritionist and general practitioner, doctor. He recommends the uh, supplement Cyt- uh, Immunovite with Cytoplan, I M. U-N-O-V-Y-T-E, which you can find at the Cytoplan website. And if you do order some supplements through them to boost your immunity or whatever else you're looking to do, vitamin D is certainly a big player in the coronavirus pandemic and more and more evidence suggesting that's an important thing for us to have and more and more evidence suggesting a lot of us are deficient, particularly in the Northern Hemisphere where we work inside and the UV through uh, the clouds and everything else isn't that strong anyway to elicit a vitamin D production. So vitamin D supplementation recommended, particularly if you're dark skin pigmentation, if you uh, black, Asian, or, or whatever else, but white people as well, like myself. So it's an important aspect to consider. But a 10% discount if you go to cytoplan.co.uk uh, through the discount code DRAPER10, my last name, D-R-A-P-E-R, then the number 10. So here we go, the podcast. Football is back, but I think you'll get an insight into the complexities at the lower levels as well, where money isn't isn't that abundant and how they've been able to play pay players, how the government's been paying them up until the last month or so, and how they've been able to liberate them at clubs like Chelten, Cheltenham Town, re-employ them effectively to, uh, to now go again, go for the playoffs, go for that dream of getting up to the third level of English football, League One, for the third time in Cheltenham's town's history. Okay, here it is, Paul Godfrey. Hello, Paul. Hello, Ed. Hi, sorry, I came out of my um, 
remote desktop and into the local one. So it's um, it's working now. Oh, good, mate. Well, I really appreciate you first and first and foremost of actually taking all the time to to get this app sorted and all the hassle. So I appreciate I appreciate that. It's been um, a brave new world with all this stuff. It's particularly weird, I suppose, that we're both in Cheltenham, but. While the social distancing goes on, I guess we, we do it this way. But how are you? Uh, yeah, OK. Yeah, we're, um, we're trying to get to grips with it all at the moment. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Not, yeah. What, what, what sort of process have you gone through over the period of time? Because we spoke in March just before, I believe, the official lockdown. Uh, we met at Wadden Road in the club. Um, have, you, have you gone sort of through several scenarios in that time i guess at the outset did you think the season would would be concluded in any way or did you think it would be sort of 2021 season we'll be looking at um it's been a very very strange few weeks i think we we went we went for a long period of time where we didn't really know what was going on Mm. where the information was really scarce and um we were just having to pick up whatever tidbits we could from uh you know government briefings and and uh stuff that came out from the league and things that we saw in the in the media you know um mm. and gradually the picture did did come back together and i think the big turning point was when um um the government sort of indicated that they would be happy for football to come back and then there was the vote the league two clubs voted to have the, to finish the season but play the playoffs mm. so it was then a question of when were they going to take place and um you know that we finally we got the dates through. I think we we probably want, would have wanted a bit more time to prepare, if I'm honest. But yeah, um, yeah. but you know it is what it is. All four four clubs are in the same boat, so we've got to get on with it, really. Yeah, what what's the financial picture been at the club? Because were players and staff furloughed pretty early? I, I don't know the exact timings of that. Yeah, they were they were furloughed from um, shortly after the uh, the end of well, short, shortly after football was stopped yeah um so ironically i mean we're gonna the, the, the playoffs are actually gonna cost us quite a lot more money than um than there's the clubs that have gone up automatically or the clubs that, that are still in league two because they're staying in the government job retention scheme mm. uh, um we we've had to come out of it in order to play the playoffs and of course we've also got the costs of staging the games and all the rest of it so mm. I think if you told me at the start of the season, one, that we'd be in the playoffs, two, that the playoffs <laughs> would cost us a lot of money, <laughs> three, that um, that we'd try and offset the cost by, by filling parts of the ground with cardboard cutouts. <laughs> no, I think I might have yeah. told me to have a rethink. <laughs> well, it's surreal, isn't it? We all feel like we're in some sort of strange film or a dream or, or something like that. It's very, uh, it's very odd. The Premier League returns today, of course, with uh, Villa against Sheffield United and Manchester City against Arsenal. I'm not sure when people will necessarily listen to this, but it's it's a slightly kind of return to normality, but but not quite. What about the testing? Is that is that been an expensive undertaking for the club? The coronavirus testing. Well, the testing is expensive, but thankfully we have we've been given um, some clear indications by the uh, the football league that the testing will for the, the testing certainly for the League Two clubs mm. um, you know, will will be shared centrally. So the clubs won't have to pay for it individually um, because, you know, again, on the, on the basis that only four of us are having to do it. So, you know, the rest of the division is, is not having to do it. We're, we're playing the playoffs, which is obviously helping the league out from a point of view of fulfilling its broadcast obligations, mm. that sort of thing. Um, well, so obviously, of course, we're giving ourselves a chance of getting promoted, but, um, but you know, we're having to do it under, under extreme conditions. 
so I think it's only fair, really, that, that it should be done that way. And uh, but the testing's has been okay. I mean, touch wood, mm. we've not had any positive tests so far. Yeah. Um, Good. It does. It does really uh, tickle your nose when that thing gets put up there. I've, <laughs> very nice. Have, have, have you been tested? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm the I'm the COVID nineteen officer for the um, for the club. I'm not quite sure I got that job, but probably because <laughs> there was nobody else. Is just what normally happens. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, so I'm the one who has to sort of disseminate all the information. And, um, and is that test for what your current state is, or does it recognise antibodies that you, that you may or no, may not have had in the past? That's the current state, yes, whether you've okay. got it at this point in time. So it's only a snapshot, really, but you, we're getting tested twice a week. Yeah. Um, certainly when you come to play a game, and we've got the game tomorrow night. So we, we got tested yesterday, and you have to, you can't go to the stadium unless you've, received a negative result mm. um within the previous 48 hours so um yeah and it appears they can be false positives can't they which complicates it we've we've had players in, in different divisions testing positive but then a couple of days testing negative so it's it's um complex a complex picture yeah what what about the um sa- what about the, the salaries for the players and the staff has, has that been reinstated for the month of june the financial outlay if you've been able to make it into one one acute thing i suppose you potentially july as well maybe yeah, well, we've paid him full all the way through. We've um, we haven't. I mean, even though we've obviously, like everybody, we've benefited from the job retention scheme. Yeah, we didn't go through the process of um, um, you know requesting wage deferments or reductions or, or anything like that. Or at least we haven't done yet. I mean, we're still um, waiting mm. to see what the situation is going to be with the return of mass gatherings, or you know when we're going to be able to have crowds back in the stadiums, but. Mm. Certainly, we've um, we've kept up the salary payments on on time all the way through the uh, the crisis so far, and we intend to to do so by um, by hook or by crook. <laughs> we'll talk about the phenomenal contribution from the Cheltenham fans as well, which I've been witnessing on social media, which is is fantastic in terms of helping the club financially by getting their their pictures on on wooden placards, as you say. But first, well, you mentioned that. Do you think? when we look at the Football League next season, Leagues 1 and 2 in particular, there will need to be some crowds in for it to be viable to, to, to start the season, 2020-21 season? Yeah, I mean, the sooner we can get crowds back in, the better it's going to be for everybody. That's, that's mm. speaking, of course, purely from a financial point of view. Um, you know, we are entirely dependent on the public health aspect of it, and I'm not going to suggest for a minute that we should be rushing people back into football stadiums whilst there's still a risk that they could be mm. infected. But, you know, um, and it's, you know, it's not our decision to make, obviously, but certainly from a, from a financial point of view, um, you know, clubs at all levels, really, and they, they are to a certain extent dependent upon the gate income, but more so at uh, League One and League Two level, and even more than that, um, at the levels below us, you know, in the National yeah. League uh, and the other... Um, semi-professional, not that the top division of the national league is semi-professional anymore, but but you know in the um, in the northern Premier League, the Southern League, and the Eastman League, and, the, and all the other divisions, mm. they are completely dependent on um, on yeah. trade income. Are, so, are, they, um, are they in a better position with players' contracts, more flexibility though? Because it was interesting. I was speaking to Ian Duggan, who's the uh, chief executive at Stranraer in Scotland, and they were relegated from. League One to League Two this week after a, there's not going to uh, the conclusion of not being in an SPFL reconstruction. He was saying that the fact that they're part time has fr- liberated them to a certain extent because also the players have 
have other jobs. Yeah, and in, and um, in, so in a lot of those divisions, the contracts actually finish at the end of the season. They don't go on mm. like the professional clubs do until the 30th of June. Although, of course, it does... The downside to that is it just cause a lot of disruption because you could potentially lose most of your team if they're out of contracts and um, yeah. you know they're sort of able to to move elsewhere. Um, you know when those contracts finish. So I think it's going to be an awful lot of disruption one way or the other mm. to football at all levels. Uh, it's going to be some time before we can get back to some sort of normality. How, how do you feel about tomorrow night? What's the mood? Is, it, is, there, is there excitement about it coming back, about the, the opportunity that the semi-final first leg against the Northampton at Northampton? Well, certainly, yeah. I mean, I, we, um, we were probably a little bit disappointed this season because we've been on a good run. I mean, if you look at the current form table, I think we were either top or second. Mm. I think I mean, Michael won manager of the month in February. He must be the longest serving <laughs> manager of the month. He's had it for four months now, nearly. It's, it's first, um, his first full season as a manager as well. Isn't it? Yeah, first yeah. Season, yeah. So, um, yeah, so, you know, we were going quite well and um, you know, we, we, we fancied our chances of, uh, of getting into the top three. But obviously, yeah, that's that's gone by. You have to accept that and get on with the, with the playoffs. And certainly it's, it, it's, a, it's a chance of getting promoted and we've got to try and, uh, try and make the most of it. So, yeah, I mean, and certainly if, uh, also from just from a purely football point of view, looking forward to getting back and having a game again. What was your what was your your take on and how moved were you by the fans' contribution in the past couple of weeks in terms of buying their tickets virtually for for having a placard in the stadium? Oh, it's fantastic! Yeah, yeah, brilliant. Um, can't thank them enough, really. And mm. it shows at a time like this the the um, you know the the love that is out there for from football fans for their for their local club. You know, when they've all, I'm sure they've all got plenty of other things on their minds. Certainly during this recent time but uh, for them to have uh, made a consideration of their local football team to try and help us out in these circumstances not just the ones that have um, you know brought the, uh, the the cutout fans but the ones also the ones that have said they don't want a refund on their remaining five matches on their season tickets as well that's a huge gesture that's uh, you know has, has, re- has really helped yeah oh good and I know, I know you've been open as well some people giving you know quite willing to give money back to people who may be struggling at this time which we're not sure about the, the financial picture for everyone differently. Do you sense that it is a time for, for smaller football clubs like Cheltenham to, to really become a part of the community? Because I guess there might be a yin and a yang to it if we get mass gatherings back, look at ticket pricing and stuff next year, depending on unemployment figures and so on and so forth when the, when the furlough scheme ends. Yeah, indeed. It's, I mean, it's something that we've been thinking about a lot and we've got to... Um, it's, it's difficult at the moment because we don't know when the new season is going to start. I mean, we've, we've been told to sort of aim for um, middle of September, perhaps. I don't know, mm. don't know whether you've heard any different to that, but certainly I can't... No, quite... Scot- Scotland's saying October, aren't they, for the Scottish Championship? And I think the SPFL, the Premier the Premiership's trying to start in August in Scotland, but I'm not sure how realistic that will be. Yeah. I mean, I think there's two sides to it. One, obviously, the Premier League. Some of the Premier League clubs won't finish playing until towards the end of August, the ones that are involved in Europe. Mm. Um, so it's where the football and obviously the championship won't finish until the end of July. So it's whether everybody wants to come back and start at the same time. Yeah. Um, but then there's also the issue that the longer you leave it, the more chance you'll have of hopefully moving further out of the lockdown. I mean, I think certainly for leagues one and two, 
you really don't want to be coming back and playing football under any sort of testing regime because that is expensive. Mm -hmm. You would hope that by September, October, you might not have to get the players tested twice a week. They might just, you know, it might maybe go into a sort of something like the doping control where they do random tests, perhaps. Yeah. Um, because the, the number of positive tests has been very small. So you yeah. would hope that perhaps that might, you know, might be able to stop that when, when, when the season starts again. And, and, as, and again, as I say, a lot of it does come down to when you're going to have some sort of um, attendances back in the, um, in the ground, whether it's full capacity or even just a few season ticket holders. But either way, I think clubs are going to have to be quite innovative in, in the way they, um, they look at the ticketing and season tickets for next season. And certainly mm. we've been, um, we've been thinking a lot about that. Yeah. I was speaking to my dad, actually, I recorded an interview on the podcast with him. He's a GP and a, a nutritionist. And he was talking about the kind of oh, basically dwindling numbers that you've mentioned. They've been really encouraging both the Premier League and, and the EFL in terms of positive numbers. And actually a lot of those positives seem like it could be statistical kind of errors with the, with the testing false, false positives. But he was talking about primarily the medical evidence leading towards coronavirus having been um, transmitted most easily through contact and surfaces as opposed to, to breathing. Do you think that would be, I just think about technically the issues potentially around just turnstiles and stuff and things like that might be a, a, a problem. But I suppose I'm thinking about Cheltenham. It's quite open, isn't it? It's quite easy to, to actually get into the stands from the, from the car park. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's just to stage the playoffs. We've had to adapt a lot of things. We've had to, there's been a huge amount of paperwork we've had to do. There's been all sorts of different ways we've had to reconfigure the ground. Um, but we've done it. You know, I mean, all the clubs, I think, have, have, have worked hard and they've they've thought about it a lot. And uh, the fact that we're not having crowds in for these games does help because it gives you more space to play with. Mm. But if you had to adapt the way that you... Um, get people into the ground and what you do with them when they're inside, then it just, it takes a bit of bit of creative thought and uh, a little bit of imagination. And if, if perhaps you had to make the games all ticket, if you had to get people there earlier so that they go through some sort of screening outside the ground, I'm sure people would put up with that for a fairly short term if it meant that they could go and see their football team play again. Mm. Yeah, no, I think you're right. I think people, there's that duality. Some people say they can't imagine going into a public space, but I think also human beings kind of adapt and, and crack on it's sort of signature of, of how we do and sort of press on with, with what's in, in front of us and people will be keen to, to congregate and watch, watch football again and do loads of other social activities, I'm sure. What's the, what's the mood at the club in terms of the players? Have you had any contact with them, Paul? Have you, have you spoken to Michael about that? Are they, are they revved up about getting back out there? Are they conflicted? What's, is there a general sense? At first, it was a bit, it was a little, a little bit of a challenge with them at first because they'd been off for so long. Hmm. Um, and there was, we had a little bit of explaining to do. I think some people just naturally thought that because we were going to finish fourth on on, um, on uh, the average points, that we would go up in fourth place. And we had to explain to them that that wasn't the case. Mm. That, you know, only the, only the top three go up automatically. That's what it says in the regulations. And then the next four have to go into playoffs, which we always accepted as a club right from day one. But we had to, we had to try and get that message through to people. Yeah. Which took a little bit of time, and then, and then the other people were were not happy about perhaps the uh, the health aspects and and the uh, the lead in time being quite short. But once we got beyond those initial barriers, and once people got in and started doing the testing and the temperature checks every day, and once they actually started training, they got back into the swing of it very quickly, and they've they've been terrific actually. And and, and uh, Michael, the manager, has been very pleased with the um, the way that. Um, 
the players have um, have actually come back in really good physical shape. Oh yeah, so they'll be, fo- they'll be following their their routines at home pretty well. Yes, yeah, they have been. Yeah. Oh, that's good. It's 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 interesting though, isn't it? Thinking about it psychologically, do you think League Two players will be better prepared for playing without crowds than perhaps the, the sort of illustrious names from the Premier League. I'm not saying that they obviously don't have big crowds, you know, thousands of people there watching them, but not quite the sort of 70,000, 80,000 that some of the Premier League players are used to. Um, yeah, interesting point. Um, I'm not sure really. I think, I, th- I think the crowd is a huge part of, of the game at every level. Um, I'm sure the players would much rather play in front of a crowd. I felt I did... I was talking to one of the lads about this the other day, actually. Mm. And he said that some some players almost thrive off the, 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 um, the criticism that they get from a crowd, you know? <laughs> um, yeah. And some, so, so some players will be pleased that there's no crowd because they can just concentrate on the game. There's no sort of distractions for it. And, and, and others will find it strange. I think it comes down to the individual, really, and how they're going to react. I mean, it is... It doesn't. I, mean, I must admit, I've watched a little bit of the German football and a little bit of the Spanish football. There's been no noticeable change to the way the games have been played. It's been a bit strange with the atmosphere and everything, mm. looking around the empty stadium. But the games appear to have gone gone about in, in, in the normal way. Yeah, pretty normal. But Bayern Munich won the title again, so that's pretty normal. Yeah. Last night, so <laughs> eight eight seasons in a row, which is. Uh... Almost like the Scottish Premiership, really. I suppose it's it's quite similar. But I, yeah, no, I, I, the only the only thing it's thrown up, I suppose, Paul, is the is the sort of planning around home and away legs, isn't it? And what what emphasis you might have at different times, because that seems to be one thing that came out of the Bundesliga. Apart from Bayern winning all their games, some of the home teams had struggled more than they would have done in the past, perhaps. Yeah, I think th- there were some grounds where you know that the. Um, the home crowd can be very partisan. I mean, Northampton, fairly enough. I've always noted, I've always thought when we got there that, um, mm. you know, they can be quite, they, they don't seem to like referees very much in <laughs> Northampton. Not many fans. They, well, well, it's, it's very noticeable. It's, it's funny, some grounds you go to, you pick up on different things and the Northampton crowd is always very uh, vociferous for every mm. decision that goes against them. Yeah. A bit of a victim, uh, you know, which is good for their own players and their own, their own you know, their own team. They, they, and they, uh, I'm sure it helps them, but uh, but, so, but so yeah, so they won't have that tomorrow. But equally, at our ground, you know, our, our ground's quite a small ground, and um, particularly for the evening games, um, you know, we, we can can create quite an intense atmosphere for the big matches. Yeah. Um, certainly the you know, the the lads that go along in in the singing section, and also the ones behind the goal, you know, they can they can really make a difference as well at home. So without them, yeah, I think it's going to even it up. Mm. in that sense and it's been they're close head-to-heads in the season weren't they as well it was fine margins I think either way with, with the games with, with Northampton yeah I think um, we've played Northampton so many times I mean, since we've been in the Football League I think it's the team that we've <laughs> probably played the most and they're normally close games they're normally there's normally not not a great deal in it I think it'll be a different um, clash perhaps of different styles of football but um, yeah uh, you know it, it's going to be uh, be an interesting game is it, think about, I was just thinking about the players in terms of obviously the contractual uncertainty and things. Do you think that the lower league players are perhaps slightly more accustomed to uncertainty, the whole uncertainty we've all had to face because of, you mentioned short, I know Michael Duff has been trying to kind of change that culture a little bit and, and give two-year contracts and a little bit more stability. But do you think by nature, established League One and League Two players are accustomed to a, a degree of uncertainty around where they'll be playing next year? 
Some of them are, I think. Yeah, yeah, I think some of the some of them that have been around, as you say, have been around League One and League Two for any period of time. They'll they'll um, they'll know what the score is when it comes to the length of contracts. That they're not particularly, you know, they're not the sort of five year deals that you get in the Premier League. Uh, but then, but again, that suits some players. You know, some some players like the freedom of contract and so to yeah. possibly look at other options after after a year or two. Although, um, you know, clearly it's probably not going to be the best situation to be doing that in this summer. Uh, no. You know, I don't think I'd want to be a, a player necessarily coming out of contract in this particular mm. environment. Although, I can see there being quite a lot of movement um, between the clubs, players between clubs this this season because. Uh, I, th- I think, um, to a certain extent, it might be it might favour the clubs a little bit because they're not going to have a great deal of, um, of of additional revenue to really spend on their squads, and I think everyone's going to be in the same boat. So uh, yeah, it might be that players have got to settle for slightly lesser uh, attractive deals than they might have done in other circumstances. Yeah, we were talking before the lockdown about the, the history of it because you are a club historian as well, and in, in saying that perhaps one of the only comparisons i know there was um, uh, a situation in the 1970s but we mentioned the second world war as well but previous in those eras the difference was that cheltenham was a, a part-time team uh, presumably comprised of of local local men do you see that swinging back towards that way we mentioned sort of salary caps do you think even maybe some sort of freelance part-time arrangement might be in the future for, for players if there is still the re- reduced gates and the, and the sort of financial pressure on, on the lower leagues I'm not so sure. I think I think things will get back to normal eventually. Mm. Um, I don't think there'll be any appetite to really change the structure of the players' contracts, the, st- the standard contract as it is. I mean, in order to do that, you've got to get the PFA to agree it anyway, which is you know, never going to be an easy job. Um, mm. Do I see more sort of monthly contracts or short-term contracts? I'm not. I'm not really sure. I think um, I think things will get back to some sort of normality, but certainly there have been. There does seem to be a renewed determination around salary caps and trying to bring overall wage bills under control. I think um, mm. it's something that clubs always talk about, um, but they've never really, you know, in, in order to really get action on it, everyone's got to get together and, um, you know, follow the same path. And that's always, that's quite often been difficult <laughs> in the past. Clubs are very good at saying, oh, we, we've got to bring, we've got to bring the wages under control. We've got to, we've got to do this. We've got to do that. Uh, and as soon as the season starts, you look at their squad and you think, well, I know, I know how much he's being paid and there's, they haven't brought their wages under control. Yeah. So, um, you know, well, saying, saying one thing and doing it is another thing. But I, I, do, I do think there's, there seems to be a, a different determination perhaps this time. And you, need, but you, you said to me before, you need someone externally to, to impose that upon the clubs because they just can't self-regulate because of the, it's not a normal business in that sense. Yeah, to a extent, yeah, that's true. Yeah, I mean, I mean, obviously the regulations in the Football League are, they are, um, to an extent, created by the clubs and voted on by the clubs mm. and then handed over to the executive to enforce. But, of course, the clubs can then change them if, they, if they're not <laughs> happy with them. So, yeah. I don't, um, it's funny, though, people are sort of critical of football now and saying, well, why aren't these businesses you know, sustainable for longer if they take a couple of months out? Why can't they afford it? But I suppose, Paul, when we, I was thinking about this uh, conceptually about what a football club is or any sports club. It's not designed to be a a sort of money-making business per se. I know that people say that the Premier League owners are looking for that as a new, a new era, but generally it was, they were created to serve the public and the fans 
and just to, to do as much as they could, spend as much as they could and, and be as successful as they could be. Certainly at our level, yeah. And and, in, and historically, that was the case mm. all the way up, really. But I think, uh, I certainly think the, the explosion of um, of money at the Premier League level, whilst it's been a good thing in, in, in many ways, but it has also created this idea that there's money to be made from it. Mm. And there seem to be an awful lot of owners, sometimes foreign owners that come into the game and you, you really wonder what they're doing it for. <laughs> you, you know, you think, what well, are the, you a fan that's... of this particular club? Yeah. Why why have you bought this club? What, you know, you know, you don't even come and watch the games. What, <laughs> what is this all about? And you do wonder sometimes whether it's just, you know, they think uh, and even at that it's level, a business it's... opportunity, basically. And even at that level, there's a few... The, the... The typical sort of um, salary threshold in terms of your percentage of turnover is so high in football, isn't it? Most of the Premier League clubs are, are hemorrhaging big money because they're, they're paying more salaries than a normal business would would kind of be willing to pay based on on their income. Oh, indeed, yeah. Well, and the most difficult, most challenging one is the Championship because I think the other day something like one hundred and seven percent of turnover is being spent on wages. Well, they're only doing that because they want to try and get into the Premier League and. and um, you know, and pay themselves back that way, but mm. it's it's completely unsustainable for most of the clubs. Bearing in mind, only only three of them can go up, so there's a whole load other of other ones there that are just racking up loads of debt. And um, yeah, yeah. At some is... point in time, the, the 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 house of cards is is, is in danger of uh, falling down. Really. Yeah, as soon as things have to stop, like, you know, we talk about unprecedented, but maybe it'll make us think for the future. We'll probably just forget all about it and, and carry on. But hopefully there's, there's lessons, lessons learned for all of us, like individually and, and clubs and societally about putting a bit of money aside for, for rainy days and, and so on and so forth. What, what the staff at the club, generally, we spoke about Michael and the, and the players, Paul, but how about you and the, and the guys in the back room? Because presumably it's been difficult to coordinate everything, particularly as so much uncertainty. If you... If you've been in touch with you, I know that um, I think uh, John Finnegan told me he's been doing some landscape gardening in the, uh, in the interim. <laughs> so, yeah, a, well, John, yeah, yeah, former player and head of head of commercials, been uh, been sort of digging ponds and stuff. Yeah, he's been going. One of our former players, John Bruff, um, he used to uh, used to play for us. And yeah. Bruff, he's been having them out in his van, and they've been, uh, <laughs> yeah, they've been. Digging a few ponds and um, yeah, putting a bit of turf down. Yeah. But uh, but yeah, I mean, there's because a lot of people have been furloughed and um, yeah. And uh, but, I mean, obviously, I haven't. I've, I've been involved all the way through. There's a board member as well as the club secretary. I've been sort of right in the middle of it. And part of my role really has been to just try and gather as much information as possible mm. and um, and keep everybody up to date with everything. Mm. What's your so sense? Most of, the, most of the staff seem to be in in, in good spirits you know they've uh, they've kept going they've kept themselves busy so the the, um, the, um, the ones that haven't been furloughed have had extra workload to do but they've 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 managed and um, we've, we've got a couple of people back from furlough now we've been helping out in the preparations for the playoffs mm. oh good good and what set, what set sense do you get from the, the wider community in Cheltenham do you think people are, are eager to get back in if they, if they get that opportunity it's, it's, everyone's juggling anxieties at the moment aren't they health anxiety and, and financial anxiety but do you think there is a an appetite to, to get to get into Wadding Road as soon as, as soon as they're able to well yeah there certainly seems to be I mean we'll, we'll see what the uh, viewing figures are for the um, for the playoffs but there certainly seems to be a lot of interest in the um, in the fact that we're going to be playing again and uh, well, we want the town to to get behind us even if they can't actually come to the matches um, mm. we had we had the, the meeting yesterday 
um, what happens every year is the semi-finalists have a meeting with the Football League and Wembley regarding the final. And um, so yeah. we had them, we had them, and normally that's a whole day meeting. You go and have a walk through the stadium and you have lunch and all the rest of it. Yesterday it took half an hour. <laughs> it, was, it was over in half an hour. And it was literally, you've got 20 players, 12 staff and 10 directors, and that's it. Okay. There's, there's no hospitality. You yeah. Turn up, get tested, watch the game and then go. Bring your sandwiches. So, <laughs> yeah, so it's going to be the strangest um, Wembley showpiece event of all time, so I you- think. And you're doing all the travelling on the day, are you, the club to Northampton and to Wembley? I suppose it's feasible, yes. isn't it? Yeah. yeah, 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 we've got to, really. Yeah. It's, it's a good job you haven't got someone in the northeast or northwest because that would be, yeah. <laughs> be a big disadvantage, yeah. wouldn't it, for the away team if you're doing that on the day? Um, well, Paul, yeah, it's a final note as well. I mean, I suppose if you, you know, fingers crossed, you go all the way and, and get up, it'll be a strange celebration, won't it, I suppose, with, with not being able to include too many people in a, in a big public celebration. Well, yeah, exactly. I mean, I think we, 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 what we need is our local community to try and get behind us in whatever way they can, whether it's on social media or following the games on TV. And, you know, and then when we do get a chance to um, to engage with the public again, you know, to come back and, and support us next season. Um, mm. It's obviously, it's, it would be a huge shame for which whichever of the four teams wins the playoffs um, to, to not be able to celebrate properly with their supporters. You know, I mean, I, Another thing that came out of yesterday was that there won't even be a, a handing over of the trophy. I've, I had visions of, uh, <laughs> you know, in, in the first Cars film where um, where Chick Hicks wins wins the piston cup and they just <laughs> chuck the trophy at him. I don't know yeah. if it'd be like that, but I think they'll they'll, they'll build like a branded uh, thing on the side of the pitch and and then just I don't know what what will happen whether whether someone will just come along and pick the trophy up or what. But it's going to be very strange. <laughs> Kept in a bucket of detergent or something. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Someone will come along and spray it with disinfectant, and then then you'll pick it up. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, I know. So disinfectants have its own downsides as well. You're surrounded by it at the moment, aren't we? Um, that's, it, it, but it'd be a historic moment, wouldn't it? Potentially to go up to League One again, third time. Is that right in the history of the club? Yeah, yeah, it would be uh, if we could achieve it. It would it would be the third third um, time we'd we'd won the playoffs. Mm. Um, don't want to think too far ahead. Obviously, don't want to tempt nah. fate, but but yeah, we've done it twice before. We did. We felt that we didn't really do ourselves justice on the previous occasions for one yeah. reason or another. And um, so it'd be nice to have another crack at it if we could. Yeah, well, I hope so, Paul. I really appreciate your time as well on the eve of the, the big match away at Northampton. And um, yeah, good luck, good luck with it all. And I hope to get down to Wadden Road soon as well. It'd be nice to come and watch a game next season too. Okay, great. Cheers, Paul. Thank you for your time. Appreciate it. Labour okay, as well. Cheers. Thank you. Bye bye. Bye. Good man, Paul Godfrey, club secretary of Cheltenham Town FC and also board member there. Uh, interesting to hear that he's been employed throughout dealing with the complexities and logistics. And John Finnegan, ex-midfielder, a friend of mine actually, I'll play tennis with him soon. He's been doing some landscaping for Bruffy, another former Cheltenham player. So that's, that's interesting. He's been doing a bit of that to... Um, keep himself active, I think, while being furloughed. But he'll hopefully be back in the mix too, head of uh, commercial marketing at the club. But Paul Godfrey, fantastic insight there. I really appreciate that, particularly on the eve of this big game against Northampton Town away from home. You do wonder what that element of not being able to stay in hotels currently in the UK ahead of games, away games and things, what, what impact that will have. Uh, maybe they will be able to stay at hotels in certain parts of the country, but clearly a five-hour, six-hour drive albeit you're not driving, you're sat in the back of the bus, it's still going to be draining for those away teams. Uh, but wish Cheltenham Town the best of luck against Northampton. Everyone else involved 
in uh, the playoffs as well uh, in League Two and League One. As you say, it's interesting. It's a little bit more complex for those teams in um, in the positions who've had to take the players off furlough, so on and so forth, compared to those clubs who are either are promoted or staying where they are for the uh, coming season. But it's Colchester against Exeter, Northampton against Cheltenham. And the second legs on Monday, that's the League Two playoffs. You can watch on Sky Sports, by the way, my employer. And uh, hopefully you enjoy that. And the Premier League action returning. Thanks to Bang and Olufsen of Cheltenham and Serene AV uh, for supporting the podcast. Specialists in uh, some of the finest home entertainment brands providing solutions based around high-quality customer service and installations. Thank you to Jason and his team. And remember, cytoplan.co.uk. If you are concerned about immunity and hopefully the public discourse turns more that way with my dad, Dr. Mark Draper, we we touched upon sleep, exercise and the sort of moderate exercise being essential at the moment, not overstressing your body too much with too many uh, ultra marathons or savage weight sessions Um, in the previous podcast. Talk about that and also supplementation, potentially things that may be deficient uh, through no fault of our own, but things like selenium in the trace elements in the soil zinc, vitamin C. So supplements available, cytoplan.co.uk and you can get 10% discount with um, the code DRAPER10. Obviously other suppliers of supplements are available as well, but hope you are well health-wise. I hope hope your financial situation isn't um, too negative around the world wherever you are listening to this. I know a few people listening in the States and a different approach from the government there. They've had quantitative easing, but not so much direct furlough scheme, which where the government effectively has taken unemployment on behalf of employers, um, which has happened here. But then again, that will run out in October. So, you know, I hope you're well and I hope things are, are looking good on, on all fronts for you. But certainly, I guess, taking charge of our health might be a positive outcome of this. And uh, as I say, wish Cheltenham Town the best of luck in the playoffs tomorrow night. Fascinating to get that insight. And anyone at a sports club as well, it's been, you know, my kind of passion throughout life. Very difficult without fans coming through the doors. Gyms as well. Uh, I've done fitness instructing courses and love going to the gym and that's clearly not an issue, uh, an option at the moment. Also like swimming outdoors at my gym. Uh, lucky to be a member of the David Lloyd chain where you can go outdoor swimming pretty much around the country and I'm not playing five-a-side football at the moment either so I hope a lot of these things open up again, start getting money in the near future, albeit in the context of being safe around the coronavirus pandemic. Thank you for listening, guys. Appreciate your time and if you can rate the podcast on iTunes if you've enjoyed it and... Um, got anything out of it that'd be fantastic and, and contact me on social media as well ed draper 81 on twitter ed underscore draper 81 on instagram thanks for listening and i'll speak to you again soon